Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Power Your Life. And this is the time that many children go back to school, and there's been a lot of preparation in terms of what children are going to need, what they need, meeting teachers, parent and teacher conferences. And tonight, today, we have something really special because oftentimes children are anxious and anticipate with sometimes with a little bit of apprehension and with with excitement about going back to school. And oftentimes there are some children who face very specific kinds of challenges, not only at school, but, but at home. And we're going to really hone in on a very special dad and family today who is known as Autism Daddy. Frank Campagna is the author of the online blog Autism Daddy. His 13-year-old son has severe classic nonverbal autism as well as epilepsy. When Frank couldn't find what he considered a true realistic description of what being an autism parent was all about and finding that too many blogs were, in his words, all sunshine and rainbows, Frank created his own blog and began writing and posting pictures daily about his difficult yet often hilariously funny reality of raising a child with special needs. And thus, the blog Autism Daddy was born. And here today is Frank Campagna. Thanks, Frank, for being with us today. Sure. Thank you for having me, Joanne. It's my pleasure. So a little bit about the background, okay, because you worked for Sesame Street. You were working for Sesame Street back before the blog was born. What happened and what shifted in your life? Um, well, I've, I worked for Sesame Street. Uh, it was my second job out of college, so I started when I was about 24, 25 years old working at Sesame Street and was on a you know career path. I was working for the international department and getting to travel around the world, sort of training different uh, co-productions. We have different co-productions of Sesame Street in other countries, and I was traveling to these countries and training them on how to sort of do their own versions of the show and was sort of on that path of doing a lot of traveling, which was exciting and and really fun, and got married, um, had a child, all was good, and then my child was diagnosed with autism. Uh, he was born in 2003 and in 2005 was diagnosed with autism right around, right before his second birthday, and or maybe about 18 months. And right around that time, I was going to be sent to Indonesia to work on a very high-profile project for Sesame. They were starting a co-production out there, and the amount of travel was a lot. Um, there was maybe you know five or six two-week trips over the course of a of a eight or nine-month period. And my wife and I had to sit down, and we're just like this this kind of traveling life doesn't really fit my you know our lives anymore. I mean, my son had a Severe needs, um, you know. Early on, when you're 
when your kid is first diagnosed, every day feels like it's, you know, it's the hardest day. Um, and stuff was, there was daily issues. And, you know, I would get daily texts from the wife saying, you know, when are you getting home? You know, things are crazy. He's, his behaviors are off the off the walls and that kind of stuff. And so the idea of, of being away for that, you know, for that long just didn't seem, you know, to be realistic. So I went to my bosses here at Sesame and, and, you know, said, I know I'm an international producer, but I really can't travel internationally too much anymore. Um, and they were nice enough to, you know, figure out other projects to put me on that didn't require as much travel and slowly shift me into different different parts of parts of the workshop. And I say, you know, on the blog, like, did it, you know, did it affect my career path? It probably did. I mean, I probably would have had a completely different career path if it wasn't for my son's diagnosis. But I had to, you know, do what was right for my life. And, and you know, now, what is it, 10 years, nine years later, I'm still at Sesame and, you know, happy and not traveling as much. And it all kind of worked out in the end. You know, I think it's so important because many parents whose children are diagnosed, whether it's with autism or, or something along the line of, of the spectrum or special needs or whatever, many, from what my experience is, many of these parents have had to shift. And sometimes even going into the field itself, there are many parents who become advocates and and writers and educators in the field, and certainly you're in education with, with Sesame Street. So I think it's important, and I think it 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 also helps other families too, because you have to devote your time to your child, and and needs come up. When when your child was first diagnosed with autism, what was your response? You you both you and your wife. What did you think? What did you know? What what happened? Um, well, he was, I, I say this too, he was first diagnosed with PDD-NOS, which I say is sort of like the expert's way of not, you know, of not pulling the Band-Aid off and just telling parents your kid is autistic. They kind of, I, I hear a lot of cases where the, you know, the, the specialist will give you that diagnosis first as if they're sort of softening the blow. Um, so he was given this PDD-NOS diagnosis first, but push comes to shove, he was, you know, he was autistic. That was his diagnosis. We found that out a year later. Um, you know, people always say, did you accept the diagnosis right away? And I kind of never understand that question because did I accept the diagnosis? Yeah, I have these experts coming into my house telling me that my kid has, you know, special needs. And with with their diagnosis comes all these amazing women that come to your, you know, when you're in early intervention in New York, you have this you know, revolving door of, of therapy that comes in and they're all coming in trying to help your kid make progress. So, of course, I accept the diagnosis. You know, why wouldn't I? Was I thrilled with it? Was I happy about it? No, it was, you know, it was very, very difficult. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that we accepted or we accepted right away, but didn't mean we were, you know, we were thrilled about it. It was, you know, it's it's tough. Um, having Raising a child with autism is, is can be challenging. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was challenging in the beginning, and it's it's had ebbs and flows over the years. And I, I say a lot, you know, a lot of times when my wife is down, I'm up, and when I'm up, she's down. So we kind of pull each other, you know, pull each other up. And in those rare times that we're both up, things are great. And in those rare times that both of us are down, it's it's you know, stay away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I you know, I think I think 
you're right about the term acceptance. I think many people are dealt whatever it is they're dealt with in their lives and and they figure out how to we were resilient enough to figure out what we need to do to to make it work, whatever it is, whether it's having a child with special needs or having an injury or you know whatever. So I think it's important that it's about recognizing what's going on in the real world like you do so beautifully with your blog because you many people like you say want to see things in a very sugary kind of fashion and that's that could be a part of it but that's just not the truth i have a question though because i keep hearing about calling your son the king how did he get that affectionate term Uh, well, it's it's partially an affectionate term and partially it's sort of a sarcastic term, and sometimes I get a little flack for this. But my my son sort of, you know, he rules our lives, and a perfect example is like he loves, you know, microwave popcorn. And so during the during one of the hurricanes in the New York area, my microwave was out, and he only eats microwave popcorn because he he won't eat the natural stuff. We've tried, and people always say, oh. the so we would so we a microwave wasn't working so I had to go to my mother's house and pop her microwave was and I had to go pop 10 or 12 bags to get us through you know our power being out and I wrote a post about it and saying you know my my son is the king he sort of he he knows what he wants and he may, even though he's nonverbal he gets his point across and uh and he rules our lives and we we bow down to him you know and sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's not a good thing but he he knows he's he knows he's the king and he knows that uh that he's got us underfoot sometimes. Why is your blog, why do you think, Frank, your blog is so important to so many parents and so many families right now? Yes. Um, a lot of followers. <laughs> I do. It's, it's probably going to hit somewhere around 150,000, maybe in the next month or so. Um, and I think it's partially because it's a dad, you know, I think there's a lot of, mom bloggers that are that are writing similar things but because it's coming from a dad it's rare that you know a dad sort of speaks his mind and and is and is honest and forthright and i think that kind of gets me a little more attention and then i think partially just just the non-sugar coating part of it you know i think and also the humor of it i mean i think a lot of people just like to see um themselves reflected in others so the most the most popular photos I get, or you know, the most popular feedback I get, are when I just put mundane photos of my minivan in you know in disarray. You know, like there's a famous shot of my minivan with Cheerios and popcorn and goldfish all over the floor and books, and my son's got one shoe on and one shoe off, and that's a non-sugar coated way of saying this is my life. This is what you know. This is what my car looks like and I have to pick and choose my battles and if my son will only eat in the car that's where he's going to eat and I get feedback from literally around the world I mean people from Australia will send me you know comments saying my car looks just like that it's so refreshing to see somebody you know showing exactly what my car you live you know halfway around the world and we're dealing with the same thing and I think people just like to sort of hear other people you know dealing with the good and the bad you know and I think it's important that people do see all sides of it because, again, that, that that's the reality. And it's it's much better to face the reality when you know what to expect rather than thinking that it's, it's totally something else. And I think also humor helps because when we are feeling a particular way, when, when we, to be able to make 
make a humorous side of it in some way helps us move through it. It 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 lightens our load a little bit, and I think it also provides some wonderful information and and just creates a whole different feeling about the situation. How is your son doing? He just started school, right? I mean, what's going on yep. with school and what makes this year special, if anything? Uh, well, let's see. So he's 13 years old, so he's starting what would be eighth grade. And I, I, you know, I don't make a lot of memes, but I made a meme up a couple of months ago that it said you might be an autism parent if you have no idea what grade your kid is in because my kid has sort of right. been in, you know, same classroom for three years in a row a lot of his life and it's sort of a you know an, an all special needs classroom so you know sometimes I'm like what grade is he in oh he's 13 so that would be uh eighth grade so we went into eighth grade he just started um last week and lately I think that's more of an adjustment for the wife and I than it is for him you know like we thought he was going to have the same teacher this year we had a, a staff that we were very comfortable with and for whatever reason, and we actually, I'm not, we're not positive why he was moved to a different teacher, and that sent, you know, the wife and I into a bit of a tizzy. But my son went to school the first day and dealt with it fine, and we're getting glowing reports from, you know, from his school and from the teacher, and so far so good. Um, but you know, he's a, my son is a bit of a challenge. I mean, he can, his behaviors can be challenging, but also, you know, he has the epilepsy on top of the autism, so a lot of the things that we're fighting on a daily basis are just energy level and, and sleeping a lot and, you know, those kind of things. So we're, you know, we're happy that the new teacher is sort of trying to put a limit on his naps. You know, he, he takes anti-seizure meds and he can nap for in the middle of the day for two, three hours at a time if you let him, you know, and so they're trying to sort of push the limit and only give him 20 minute naps and see how he responds to that. And, and so far, you know, he's been really enjoying it and doing well and, and again, it's more been more of an adjustment for, you know, me and my wife than it has been for him. He's just sort of rolls with the punches. Which actually is is really great because often many children with special needs have a challenge when it comes to some kind of change or even transitioning from one class to another. And here, new teacher, new year, a lot of changes. And yet, from what you're saying, Frank, he he's doing beautifully. So let's let's yeah. hope it moves forward like that. So you are, like you said, one of the few autism daddies who talk about what's going on with your child and and the good and the bad and the challenges and and you know and and the sweet side. What kind of recommendations do you have for other families, for other parents, and particularly for dads? Um, I would say just try to. It's hard, but I I would say to try to. It sounds cliche, but try to, you know, live in the moment, um, not try to look too far ahead or too far behind, you know, and I have a problem with this as well. But like, you know, kids with autism make progress. Kids with autism regress. What your kid did yesterday, he might not do today. And so, you know, you can you can drive yourself crazy trying to, you know, trying to look back and then looking ahead can be scary. You know, you have to plan for it, but, you know, you sort of have to try to live in the moment and and see the joy and the, and the progress and the little things, you know, like I posted a photo on the, on the Facebook page yesterday of my son, my wife was, took my son to swim to the uh, occupational, he has a swim occupational therapy session, which is amazing. And um, she was, you know, forcing him to carry his own bag and, and bring it to the minivan. And again, that's something that is not a, you know, big deal to most kids. It's a minute 
issue, right. but for you know for my son it was it was progress, and so we try to notice progress and you know as big or as small as it is and celebrate it, but also accept the fact that even though he did it today, he might not do it tomorrow. You know that's that's one thing that I would say. And as far as dads are concerned, um, just you know just sort of just be there. You know even if you don't like I know a lot of times um, you know the the kids with autism who are who are higher functioning and and are less obvious when you first meet them. A lot of times that's the time where the dad has a problem accepting the diagnosis and you hear these stories about, you know, my husband doesn't accept it. Just, even if you don't accept it, just be there and just be a a unified front. You know, even if you don't want the, if you don't like the label, you're still getting these people that are coming into your house and trying to help your kid improve. So even if you don't, in your mind, accept it, just sort of, you know, don't get in the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's. I, it sounds uh, rough, but sometimes, you know, men need to be hit over the head a little bit and just be like, you're getting in the way. Just if you don't accept it, just stay out of the way and just be a unified front. You know. So be supportive. Be there. Don't kind of be this absentee father. Be there, and and like you said, if you can't support it, at least be there and endorse what's going on some extent, but don't interfere with what's happening. Although I think today many dads are, like you, taking a more active role in what's going on with their, excuse me, their children with special needs. You are doing this talk, I guess, it's presentation called Things No One Ever Told Me Before My Kid Was Diagnosed with Autism. And you've been going around doing these speaking engagements all over. What are some of the things that you didn't know about when before, you know, after your child was diagnosed that you just had to learn because like you said, you had to deal with the here and now with what's actually happening, but nobody tells you about this. It's like being a dad and be and having a family. This is what you have to figure out firsthand. Right. Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, and so I, you know, I started doing this presentation. I, I've been a, a writer for a long time, and now I'm just sort of getting, sort of getting into the the public speaking thing. And I sort of looked through the blog and tried to find little snippets here and there that that sort of fit this format. And I mean, it's it, you know, it's a lot of different things. But you know, perfect example is you're allowed to be mad. You know, like again, when I first went on went on the internet looking for an outlet, I found a lot of blogs that were showing the, the you know, the sunshine and rainbow side of things. And my, my takeaway, things no one ever told me is you're allowed to be mad that your kid has autism. You know, you're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to grieve. Um, and I, you know, say that it still happens to me, you know, and it's, and it's okay. You know, it doesn't mean you don't love your kid. doesn't mean, you know, you, you love your kid any less. You're allowed to be mad is one of the things. And then, other little things that are that are you know maybe some somewhat obvious, but you have to be have to be spelled out is the inter- internet can be your best friend and your worst enemy. You know, autism parents are notorious for your doctor. You know, your kid has an ear infection and your doctor prescribes something. You know, and you immediately go home and you Google autism and whatever that antibiotic is, and you're going to get eighty thousand results that are going to show you. That that antibiotic you know causes autism or that antibiotic like anything you can think of you can look up and find that it's a cause and the same way with with vitamins you can look up any vitamin in autism and find that it's a cure and it'll just drive you bonkers you know so it's like little it's it's twenty different things like that that things no one ever told me and some of them are you know meant to be profound and some of them are meant to be funny and you know things like that I just 
show pictures of, you know, no one ever told me that my son would have three three rooms in my house and I'd have none. You know, he's got <laughs> his playroom, he's got his bedroom, and then I had a home office, and my wife recently took it over as one of his therapy rooms, and I have no place to put the keys when I go home. You know, my these people have man caves, and I have no place to put my keys because, you know, he likes to chew on things, and sometimes the keys might end up in his mouth and, you know, silly things like that. So those are, you know, some of the things that I talk about. You know, you mentioned something that I wanted to focus on for a moment, and that is parents will Google stuff about antibiotics, about vitamins, about different kinds of of therapeutic technique, whatever it is. How How can parents differentiate when they go on Google or whatever and try to find out support and help and information for for their children with autism or special, I mean, how do they know? How do they know what to choose and, and what the right places are to look and what information is bogus and, and hype and, and all of that? That's, that's a great question. I mean, and I don't know if I necessarily have the answer to it. All I know is from the, from the medical side or, you know, with autism, it's the, the biomedical treatments. You know, we have a pediatrician that we love. He's not an autism expert and doesn't claim to be. And we would go to him years back and say, we want to try uh, vitamin B12 injections, which at the time was a big proponent of possible, you know, a possible help for kids with autism. And he would say, I don't think it's going to hurt, so go for it. You know, he said, I personally don't think it's going to help, but if you want to try it, I don't think it's going to hurt. And that's kind of what, how we would go about things. We would go to him and say, if we try this, is it really going to harm him? And he would be like, no, I don't buy into it, but you can try it. And we tried a lot of different things along the way. And I talk about in my, you know, in my blog that I don't necessarily think that people are lying when, when you go on the website for the B12 injections and you see a kid that was, you know, that, that was really helped by it. I don't think that parent's lying, but I think there's maybe 20 different kinds of autism and that kid was helped by the B12 injections. But that kid that was helped by the B12 injections might not have been helped by the GFCF diet. You know, so I'm, I, I believe that a lot of that stuff help, and I'm, I don't believe all of it, but I believe a lot of that stuff helps certain select kids, but it doesn't help everybody, and you sort of have to pick and choose your battles and, um, and weigh things and look at your bank account and figure out, am I going to, like the, you know, I hope I don't get any flack for this, but the, the, the craziest thing we tried was the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. There was these, you know, there was a time where, and it's still out there, where you rent right. a hyperbaric oxygen chamber and you go in it for, you know, 90 minutes a night. And I would go in with my son and we would get amazing sleep. We would get great sleep, but it really didn't help at all. Um, and it was a huge amount of money. So if I had to choose it again, I probably, you know, wouldn't have tried that one. But the things that are, you know, that are inexpensive and are, are worth a try, but just don't go into it with high expectations because I would always go into it thinking this is going to be the magic bullet. And along the way, learn that the magic bullet for some is not the magic bullet for all. And, you know, and there's, you know, I, I, the other thing I came to the realization is like, um, what's the expression? Uh, all results are not typical, you know, so all these things should be, have a little asterisk on them saying results, not typical. So even though you've got these, all these kids that were helped by this certain treatment, I think they're the exception, not the, you know, not the rule. Right. Does that make sense? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. And there may not be the magic, you know, the magic bullet. There may not be something that, that really 
does what you know what you would love it to do and change things in right. the end. But but that's important. So I, I have a couple of questions. One is you've been talking about working with this the, with this physician who you know you work with with a while. Do you feel that you've been, that he's been or he or she's been educated? about autism because of his experience with you and has reached out. I'm, I'm saying because I know that I do a lot of alternative um, health methods for myself and my, my internist, my doctor over the years, and I've been seeing the same doctor, has learned and, and under, you know, has, has accepted that and also gone a little bit further to do a little bit of research and know what's going on. Cause, so have you educated your physician? And vice versa. Um, not, I mean, not, not really. But I think it's, it's more that we didn't, we, we love him as a pediatrician, and we know what a pediatrician, like we came to a realization what you know, pediatrician is what you go to when you have an ear infection, when you have a fever, and you know. But we didn't go, we didn't go to him to try to, you know, to cure, to solve the autism. Um, and you know, I, I, I think. Uh, yeah, we just sort of didn't use him for that. I mean, you know, he's very open to whatever you need. So as crazy as this world, you know, this world is so crazy that sometimes you have to go to your pediatrician to get a prescription for occupational therapy, even though he's not the person that knows about it. But he's, you know, he's always very open to whatever you need. You let me know and I'll write it out for you. And that's, and that's kind of what we use him for and need him for. Um, And then we've had other doctors along the way that are more our you know, our, our autism doctors, quote unquote, and there was a point where we were doing that, you know, the biomedical route, and now we're sort of with a with a neurologist and a psychopharmacologist, and so we sort of, you know, we sort of found our team and sort of, you know, found each person's strengths and used them for what their strengths were. Which is wonderful that you're able to do that, and not every, you know, not, not every family has that same kind of experience, and many, many families from you know, I've worked with many families who actually have to fight not only in schools but for different kinds of services like OT, like different kinds of services that might really help their child. You talk mm-hmm. about expense of certain kinds of services and, and experiments or, or therapies that you've used, let's, let's, that, you know, you've experimented with, with your son, with the king. What, let's talk a little bit about the expense because many parents who have children on this spectrum are expending so much money to to help their child. It's not just looking for the magic bullet. It's just really to help their children with very specific kinds of health needs. So tell us a little bit. I'm not asking you what you're spending or whatever, but talk a little bit about that challenge for families and what that means and and is there support out there for that yeah i mean i think you know putting aside the the biomedical stuff just the everyday expense of therapies and you know i mean i'm lucky enough to live in new york which has really good services but i know in other states you know people pay out of pocket for aba therapy or they they pay out of pocket for occupational therapy and those are you know extremely expensive um, we, you know, at the, at the time right now, we're paying out of pocket for more recreational stuff, but it's still, you know, special needs stuff. So music therapy and swim therapy and, um, things like that and silly expenses, but they happen every year. You know, we, we buy an iPad for our son and he's 
broken four of them so far. Even though we've had the supposedly military-proof case on it, it's not autism-proof. I keep writing the company saying they're not autism-proof. So every year I'm replacing his iPad. I mean, so, you know, there's expenses that you think, you know, when you go on the special diet, the special diets, the food is is probably twice as expensive. Um, you know, but, I, you know, again, I live in New York, and we have a good Medicaid waiver in New York, so I was able to uh, apply for Medicaid for my son, even though, you know, my income is above the, the limit. They sort of waive the income requirements, and that, when once we, you know, once we had that, that opened up a lot of the expenses that we were spending out of pocket for sort of fell under that, and that's been a huge, huge help, and I've written about that on the blog, and I know that's different from state to state, but, um, you know, that was something where for years, you know, we have a lot of friends who are a couple of years ahead of us in this autism world, and they're kind of leading the way, and we sort of follow in their footsteps, and here, I, you know, I got this, I found this person that said we should apply for this, and so we heard about the Medicaid waiver, and it was this literally a ream of paperwork that we put off doing for a while because it asks you to go into all those medical histories and all those things. And once we finally did it, it came with, you know, it was basically supplemental medical insurance and it came with all this stuff and it pays for, you know, some of the therapies that we were paying out of pocket for, and it pays for um, co-pays for medicines. So I would say as my son's gotten older, um, you know, we've, we probably spend less than we used to, but as he's gotten older, we've also learned the tricks of the trade and know how to how to get more of that covered by Uncle Sam, if you will. <laughs> right, and you know, you're not 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 as many families are as lucky or live in New York or whatever, or sort of know how to work the system a little bit. And those are the families that are suffering because they 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 don't have the same kind of access to services especially if there's a, a price tag on them all the time. And, and as you were talking about, a lot of these services are not cheap. They're expensive and, and they vary based on age and based on different types of autism and based on the fact that not every child is the same or, or needs the same services. We only have a few more minutes. What, give, what kind of advice would you give parents whose children are going to school for the first time or who, who are traveling or what, what would you want parents to know that, that you feel that you've had to learn and that you feel that's important um, for them? Obviously we can't cover it all in a few minutes, but what are some of the highlights that you'd like parents to know? Right. Um, I, I would say just that it gets easier. I mean, I think along the way people would always say to us, you know, you know, as they, as they get older, it gets easier. And, I would always take that to mean that, you know, they're saying my kid's going to make all this huge progress and improve, and, and that was great. But, I, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I don't know about that. But I would say, I will say that even though my son, you know, is still on the lower end of the spectrum and, and, and you know, hasn't made huge leaps and gains over the years, it has gotten easier. And it's gotten easier because my wife and I have gotten better at ex- not accepting, yeah, I guess accepting things. Um, but also we've gotten better at picking and choosing our battles. And also, as my son has matured, he's gotten just a little mellower. You know, like I, I meet a lot of parents who, you know, at my talks, who kids, you know, kids are bouncing off the walls and very hyper, and they say, I don't know, I can't even take a shower, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I say, how old is your kid? And they say, six. And I'm like, that's exactly the way my kid was when he was six. And it's going to get easier. They're going to mature. I, you know, I can't guarantee it, but they're going to mature, and they're going to mellow, and they're going to, 
chill out. There was a time where the idea of my son sitting on the couch and watching a half an hour of television would have been, I would have prayed for that. You know, he just couldn't sit still. And now he's like a typical teen and I can't get him off the couch to do anything. And now I'm saying, I wish I had that kid that was bouncing off the walls back a little bit. But, you know, just all this to say that it, you know, it gets easier. Um, And I think your kids are, as far as school is concerned, your kids are, are more resilient than you think they are. I think a lot along the way, I think, you know, my wife and I were probably more scared of all the transitions, as I mentioned before, um, than my son was. So, you know, sending him to school was always, you know, nerve wracking and picking a new school was always nerve wracking and all that stuff. But my son, you know, again, he's not one of those kids that freaks out with the changes. So we're lucky in that sense, but he, you know, he sort of rolls with the punches and, and I guess my advice would be to sort of, you know, tell the parents to roll with the punches too, you know? How is your son with social relationships and in social interactions, Frank? Um, he's actually gotten gotten a lot more affectionate. We actually we were just saying this morning, like he's been very um loving towards the wife and I and, and other family members and a lot of kisses on the forehead and you know, and he means it. It's not just, you know, it's not just impact. He's not just trying to do it to get, uh, you know, impulse or to, you know, he's doing it for the reason that he's being affectionate. And he was just doing that to my wife on the, you know, as they were waiting for the school bus. And I was just, just this morning and I was saying, remember years ago when just sitting on the couch with him for two minutes would have been, you know, we would, we would pray for that. Like just the little affectionate moments. So he's gotten a lot better at that. I don't have anything to attribute that to. I just think he's sort of he's a lot I, I would say he's a lot more comfortable in his own skin than he was years ago. And that's a combination probably of maturity and a combination of progress and maybe a combination of some of the meds he's on and, you know, just time. Um so I you know, I would say he's definitely more affectionate. Um yeah, I would say that. <laughs> I think, too, it's not just everything you just described. It's also the interactions that you and your wife have and and the people that you've selectively chosen to be part of his life and to come in and to and to work with him. I think that that also makes a big difference in in how he responds to other people and feels more, like you said, affectionate or, or socially engaging. So let's tell people a little bit about where they can find this incredible blog on Facebook, Autism Daddy, and see the pictures and the and the daily information, the the humorous side and the not so humorous side, the challenges <laughs> and, and the realities of autism, and also your website. Sure. Um, so I have a Facebook page. It's, it all started as a Facebook page. So I have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash autism daddy. And that's where I started it and started posting pictures daily. And then somewhere along the way, somebody was just like, you know, you should write this stuff down as a blog because blogs are more, you know, easy to find. Facebook, if you write something great, it gets lost in the, you know, in the ethers. So um, a couple of months later, I started a blog and that can be found at theautismdaddy.com. Um, that's because somebody else had taken the autismdaddy.com name like literally two months before I was going to do this, which is amazingly <laughs> enough. So right now it's at theautismdaddy.com. And that's where, like, in my mind, you know, a lot of the stream of consciousness stuff, the little daily photos and things like that are on the Facebook page. And then when I feel like I have something more substantial to write about, um, I'll write a blog post. So, you know, so facebook.com slash autismdaddy and then theautismdaddy.com. And then I also have a Twitter account um, at theautismdaddy, which I'm not really 
good at Twitter yet. I'm sort of learning it along the way, but it's there if anybody is a Twitter person. Frank, thanks so much for your time, for what you're doing to help other families, and certainly the support that you're giving to your son, and for taking the time out today to be on Power Your Life. Oh, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. So we're switching gears next week. And by the way, if you've missed any part of today with Power Your Life with Frank Campagna and Autism Daddy, you can certainly find it at Blog Talk Radio under Dr. Joanne White. And also find out more, as Frank said, about his Autism Daddy Facebook blog, and it's it's wonderful, and there is daily information, and I don't think it's just for families of children with autism, because it also gives other families insight and information, and also for educators, because oftentimes we need to take a look at what's going on in terms of reality, be able to laugh at some of it so that we can continue and move forward, and also to be able to lighten up a little bit as well as see what we're dealing with, which is important. And we're switching gears next week, September 21st, when I have on Adam Markle talking about soul over matter principles and how you can create abundance with your soul. So we'll look at that too. That's September 21st. And remember that you have the ability each and every day to take a look at your day, to look at what's going on, and to decide that you have choices and you have the ability to take control over you and over your life to the best ability that you can. And I think that's important, especially when we're talking about challenges that parents face and that families face and that we face on a daily basis. So remember that you are powerful beyond belief and to exercise that power, not over others, but to move yourself forward and to know more about who you are. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to drjoannewhite.com, D-R-J-O-A-N-N-E, com for more blogs, information about upcoming shows, and a whole lot more. And remember, my newest book, More Heaven, Because Every Child is Special, is on Amazon. Have a blessed day wherever you are, and thanks so much for being a part of Power Your Life. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit docwhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.